another episode of hyper time to podcast where i your host josh miller is joined by my co-host the pod father himself alan muir how are you alan this is the second podcast i've done to in the last five hours you think you can make this one through yeah as long as people don't my neighbors don't shoot out fireworks like they've been doing for the past two hours have, are they still doing that yeah apparently July 4th has no end to them. Well, they were doing that like two months prior, too, weren't they? Yeah, and then there's this guy who's just revving up his motorcycle like he's uh, James Dean. <laughs> oh, that's that sounds terrible, Alan. Okay. So, for today's episode of Hyper Time to Podcast, we are going to be going over a little crossover that happened in 1994. It involved both the Milestone universe and several of the Superman uh, family books, um, specifically Superman, Superboy, and Steel. Don't ask me why Supergirl was not in that, but she was not. Um, those who are not aware, it was called Worlds Collide. Um, it involved a postal worker named Fred Benson who had the ability to live between two worlds, um, one being the DC Universe, uh, specifically Metropolis, and the other being the Dakotaverse, and basically he would go to sleep every night and wake up in the other world. Uh, the power that links the two worlds within Fred breaks loose, causing Fred to turn into Rift, which is an almost godlike character who claims he created both universes. And, well, he decides to pit the two universes against each other to see which is more deserving to exist. And so today's episode, we will kind of dive into that and go over what happens and a little extra information as well. Now, Alan, this is not something you read. Is that true? Unfortunately not. Or unfortunately, no. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to find a picture of Rift because it sounds like a very... Yeah, I'm looking at the cover of Worlds Collide. Yeah, Worlds Collide, it was a... It was probably my first real crossover event that I was reading when I was growing up. Um, it, I oh, thought it was really I, cool I, at the time. I appeared to have found him. He, uh, oh God. I mean, he looks bad, but at least he's not Tempest Fugonaut, <laughs> who is a basically the watcher for Dark Multiverse. That's him. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was able to read at least part of it. Um, the price chop where I was buying my books at growing up only had the DC part of it. None of the milestone books were ever available, so I only read pretty much half of the story up until a few years ago when I was able to find those extra books. Um, but it's it's a story I really like. I really enjoy reading it. Um, it's nice to see the milestone universe uh, crossover with I guess technically just the Superman universe. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. And so I wanted to do a little episode about it. And then it will also come back around later when uh, Dwayne McDuffie's JLA run uh, was done because he brought Milestone back to meet the JLA. And he kind of ties in 
this story arc at the time as well. Um, were you able to read that one? Um, no, like we, uh, I was given or a friend of mine shared a comic book website or site where you can read comics, basically anything, which is where I found I was first. I first found the uh, Action Comics one. Oh, mm-hmm. and I was looking at some of the pages and just laughing maniacally. <laughs> how bad they were they were all right well i have about eight pages of notes regarding the story by itself so hopefully uh the way i describe it is decent enough for you and anyone listening to uh can i get an idea of what's going on So before we actually get into the story itself, um, I did reach out to a few of the writers. Um, obviously, Dwayne McDuffie was kind of the head behind everything, and he is no not, longer with us. He is no longer with us. Um, so one of the ones I reached out to, um, Ivan Velez Jr., he was the writer of Blood Syndicate at the time, and he was kind enough to reply with some answers of the questions I sent him. And so it is very hard to find specific details about this um, online. So he was able to shed a little bit of light on how it was behind the scenes. So DC and milestone had a clause in their contract since milestone is being published by DC. DC wanted at least one major crossover between DC and milestone since crossovers at the time were very important to them. Um, they were very popular and sold well. So all the writers and editors of Milestone had a meeting with some of the editors of the Superman family books to brainstorm ideas. And Dwayne McDuffie proposed the idea of this every man who was basically a nobody in the world who would obtain godlike powers and he would exist in both Milestone and DC. Um, his goal would be to merge the worlds together into one acceptable one. And because of this end goal of tearing everything apart while existing between the two, um, Ivan came up with the name Rift in their first brainstorm meeting. And the name stuck for the remainder of the story. And then for the design process of on Rift, um, Ivan was trying to propose a biracial character to kind of link the more, you know, black centric milestone universe with the more white centric DC universe. Um, but Dwayne was not, I guess, fond of that idea very well. Um, so in the end, the design of rift itself came from Dennis Cowan. And I believe he was the first one to actually draw rift in the book itself in worlds collide number one. And so in the book itself, anyone who's read it can, see that there are links between certain characters. So both hardware and steel are the more like scientific, um, like tech savvy sort of characters. And so they were paired together pretty well. Um, Superboy, Static and Rocket, you know, all the teens basically were put together. Um, Icon and Superman, obviously. Um, A lot of that was decided on between the editors. Um, the creators at Milestone basically were put in charge of the whole process. 
Um, during that same time, Superman was already in a pretty major storyline, the fall of Metropolis. And anyone who didn't read Superman may not recognize it. It was the time where Lex Luthor had basically given up that he was going to die. So he was going to destroy the planet or not the planet, destroy Metropolis with him. Um, So it involved, he basically blew up the city. He sent giant robots. He tried like scarecrow like gas to plague the citizens there. And so at the time of worlds collide, Metropolis was basically a wreck. Um, And at the same time, the milestone universe had just suffered their own major attack, which I'm blanking on. What is the, the bang babies? Is that what they were called? Milestone? Oh Oh my God. That this is something I should have put down in my notes. I totally didn't. But yeah, there was some sort of, um, I guess, put it easily enough. There was a blast that basically created them superpowers in the milestone universe. And so their city was also basically wrecked because of that. Oh, um, big bang. Yes. Big bang. And so there was basically two cities, both which had been destroyed for the most part that were now becoming linked through this story. And Superman books were neck deep in that story. And so because they didn't want to have now the second major storyline coming into their onto their workload, they basically gave it to the milestone writers and editors to kind of plan out and everything. Um, So as a reader, it felt pretty out of place because if I remember right, and let me double check my notes here, I think. Yes. So. Superman was on the monthly books, but the only books that actually involved this storyline at all were the Man of Steel books, which was uh, Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov, which I probably pronounced their names wrong. Um, So it would be weird to see one book involve this, the next one go back like nothing happened, and then pop right back into the storyline again. And so it felt very um, kind of worthless on the Superman side. it felt kind of shoehorned in and out of place. And meanwhile, in the milestone universe, they were still trying to prop up other characters. Um, books like cobalt and zombie were getting ready to release. Um, and so instead of forcing those in as well, they basically stuck to their four flagship titles and icon static blood syndicate and hardware. And so altogether, there was 14 issues that were involved in this crossover uh, Man of Steel 35 and 36. There was Hardware 17 and 18. Superboy 6 and 7. Icon 15 and 16. Steel 6 and 7. Blood Syndicate 16 and 17. The Worlds Collide was a special issue that kind of was right in the middle. Um, and then Static 14 is what finished the whole arc off. And so now that we kind of know what led up to everything, we can get into the story. Then, Alan, are are you wanting to take any of these? I don't know how Uh, comfortable you are reading my notes or if you just want me to. uh, Sure. Uh, But first, I just want to drop a picture of Tempest Huguenot so you get 
an experience of how what it looks like. That's what he looks like. Ah, uh, yes, he looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I like that design too much. <laughs> okay, so just take off with uh, Man of Steel 36 or 35. Yeah, 35. Okay, so much of the first issue, Man of Steel 35, doesn't have much to do with the crossover in general. It's in the midst of Metropolis's destruction from Lex Luthor's plans. Superman works his way through the various problems in the issue from saving kids, putting people from pulling people from rubble, putting out fires. In the background, we see Fred Benson, a mailman stuck at a Red Cross Center having nightmares. He wakes up to a meal at Hamilton and Lois Lane comforting him as he explains how he wakes up in different cities when he falls asleep and how a monster waits for him in between worlds. Suddenly, a blast rips rips through and we see a giant metal monster blasting beams from his head. It kills kills Mira, the woman watching the kids that Superman saved earlier, and Superman rushes in to stop it. He notices there's there's living tissue underneath, such as a heart and decides not to destroy it, and instead takes up in the space where it goes into suspended animation. Meanwhile, Fred gets some sleep tests done on him, and the scientists have a monitor that views his dreams. In it, he's running naked from the monster and comes across static. Right as he grabs a hold of static, the monster wraps him up in, in, in its black tentacle, and Fred wakes up. The scientist believes he may, have stepped in, he may have tapped into another dimension, and plans to bring him to a man named Hazard. So I wish I could find a picture to show you, Alan, but the monster that, the like, big robot that comes out here reminds me of the one um, in the first Thor movie. Is it the Destroyer? Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of, just to kind of give you an idea of what to picture there. Um, it basically comes out of the rubble, no explanation whatsoever, and just starts, like, shooting these beams from its head. Um, I think they end up linking it to Lex Luthor in a different issue. But it's just one of those things where it just comes up out of the ground and starts wrecking shop, um, basically. And then the monster that Fred is seeing in the kind of between worlds is just this like large shadowy, it almost looks like a giant head with tentacles that come out from underneath it and on top. Um, Yeah. That is pretty much it for that issue. Um, So with Hardware 17, um, it starts with Fred struggling against the monster in between the worlds. And when he wakes up, he realizes he is in Dakota in the Milestone universe, where he explains to the scientists there the abilities he has to wake up in different worlds and has ever since and has been able to do that ever since he could remember. And the scientists have been recording at the time and Alva um, who works with hardware shows him a video of Fred sleeping, and then uh, and then he basically like blinks, like the whole the panel goes kind of like more of a black whitish, um, like a negative image almost, and then next panel is him gone. Um, so Alva decides it's best that they test Fred some more, and they use hardware as the man to withstand any energies that Fred omits during the period of traversing the worlds. And in doing so, Hardware and Fred both get sent to Metropolis and receive a warm welcome by some men who abducted a woman and plan to rape her. Um, Hardware, of course, busts in and messes him up pretty well. And he tries to get Fred to fall back asleep so they can get back to Dakota. Um, Around this time, Hardware starts seeing visions of steel 
And then Fred wakes up and both of them are back in Dakota with a souvenir of a Metropolis newspaper, basically showing that Fred can also transport different items between the worlds as, as well. Um, and of course, Alva being the like mad scientist that he is plans to use the energies from Fred to conquer both worlds. And would you like to take Superboy number six? Yeah. So I have uh, the <clears throat> splash page or the intro page. Oh, mm-hmm. I have it up right now. And yeah, uh, uh, Cadmus is completely taken out. Um, he, he, him, and Superboy are flying through. They find Guardian, uh, and they, in like, encased in like a, basically a stasis thing. And this is, and this whole thing is way before my time because Superman still has the mullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, around this time was the Clone Plague. Um, and so, yeah, basically all the clones, which is where Lex Luthor had gotten sick since his body was a clone. Um, and Superboy was the only one that had... Well, he did get sick, but he did get better pretty well. But Guardian was the one who who basically had to sacrifice a lot of blood to save everybody. Um, but yeah. So right now... Um, let's see what page this is. Does not say. Oh, page five. Uh, I'm just going to bring this up because this this is uh, Fred is having a dream. Saying this time the dream was different. The monsters were different, both of them, different, different yet vaguely the same. And as though, or and as he thought that the creatures blurred and blended into the dream stalker, the shadow hunter, the creature he feared and hated more than anything. All he wanted to do was wake up. And he's he wakes up, and he's confused. He doesn't know whether he's in Dakota or Metropolis. And but he wakes he wakes up to see Parasite, and I really and he kills a cat. He kills a cat, which uh, how'd they get away with this? <laughs> he just he basically just sucks all the life from this cat. Mm-hmm. Just leaves bones. <laughs> yeah. So Superman is helping. Uh, He's helping out in Metropolis. Cat Grant goes up to him to basically get find out some stuff. Uh, Superboy is of course helping. He hits. He also hits on Cat Grant. While he's at it, she kisses him on the cheek, which feels a little. Yeah, Cat Grant. Um, around this time, um, she had basically lost her son, who was murdered by the Toy Man, and so Superboy had pulled up a photo of her and her son Adam which she didn't have anymore since the city basically went down so I'm just bringing this up because it's just so funny uh, a guy uh, in a um, in a motorcycle with or sort of like a motorcycle and cab and he has his dog in the cab Bibbo yeah Bibbo cycle <laughs> yeah and um Bibbo's are crypto which again this way this show again way before my time because I do not remember crypto being a very like a puppy yeah this crypto was more like a stray that Bibbo had found and Bibbo is like Superman's number one fan basically and so he named it after I don't even remember if crypto existed at this time 
So you may have just like named him partially off of Krypton. So this crypto doesn't have superpowers or anything. It's literally just a dog that's white. <laughs> so Fred shows up uh, very uh, hysterical saying, hey, are you people real or a dream? There's a dream monster after me, but maybe it's real. And Superboy's looking, get, gets ready, like, well, what's, what's happening now? Uh, he's behind me, beneath me, all around. The dude's lost it. He's telling the truth, and it's Parasite. So, uh, who is he? Uh, he's, got per- he's got the yellow horns. Oh, Double X? Yeah, he uh, tries to he tries to set, uh, sap his power, or his leech his power. Connell then gets into it with him and nearly kills uh, Crypto. And oh god, this is this. Uh, well, he mentions God, I hate Parasite so much. <laughs> they uh, Parasite and Superboy fight, have a very long fight. And he he grabs uh, cables and basically electrocutes uh, Parasite. And Parasite goes, he's just a sack of skin. And Superboy goes, Superman couldn't beat him, but we did. We did it. Superboy and his posse. Proper. Which I found funny. <laughs> and Fred is still running around. Bibbo um, tries to catch up to him he falls or he gets hit he gets hit by a uh a rock and he falls or nearly nearly falls to his death and Superboy goes to grab him right as he's about to go to and they end up going to dakota and Superboy's like what where is this dakota the other place i live they've got monsters monsters here too and uh, uh, who is who is Icon's? Um, That'd be Rocket. Yeah, Ro- Rocket shows up, and with the saying, "I'm going to, going to enjoy this." And Superboy goes, "Who? Oh, me too." And Fred just keeps saying, "Not me." Yeah, it ends kind of with Rocket looking like she's a little bit more uh, going to be in attack mode than she is in the follow up issue. <laughs> yeah. But it also kind of gives you an idea that Superboy is going to be going in hard on uh, trying to woo her to a point where you'll probably hate him. So, yeah, the next issue is Icon 15. um, And this is definitely where Rocket and Superboy kind of clash in personalities. Um, Superboy spends the majority of the issue flirting with Rocket, who wants absolutely none of it. And... This is all being done while they're trying to make sense of what is going on as Fred, Fred, as Fred explains to them um, kind of how his powers are working. Uh, this begins the back and forth of Milestone characters and DC characters claiming that they are real while the others aren't. Um, it's also here that Fred starts getting the idea that maybe one or both of the worlds are indeed imaginary and starts to manifest his powers in other ways. Um, so the first thing he does that is more than just transferring worlds. Um, he summons IRS auditors that look like par- like skinny parasites in business suits, um, but they still have the power to, you know, suck anyone's power away from them. Um, 
and Superboy and Rocket are having a lot of trouble dealing with them. Um, Parasites use are using their calculators to bind Rocket up in receipts and stuff, but Superboy is able to free her, and they all fly away to recoup. And then Superboy continues to flirt, and Fred creates something else that reminds me a lot of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man scene, and that he creates a 100-foot-tall Jimmy Lippert, who was Fred's old school buddy, who kind of just materializes out of nowhere. Um, Superboy and Rocket both try and work together to beat Jimmy, which basically amounts to them pulling his pants down and knocking him over. And then as they fly away, they see the monster that was between worlds in Fred's dreams show up right in front of them, only for Icon to just kind of bust through it. And then they all fly back to Alva. And then Rocket has a heart-to-heart with Superboy and something that is kind of makes you hate Superboy even more if you haven't already at this point. So she basically starts joking to him that she is pregnant and it's the reason she has a Audi belly button because she used to have an innie, which is pretty funny because Superboy does not have a belly button. So he's like all super confused on how that even works. And while all this is being done, Alva is implanting nanotransmitters and Fred to locate and control him later on. Um, but during the test, Fred ends up blinking out and takes hardware rocket and Superboy with him. And then the worlds finally connect. Um, basically the bridge that is destroyed in Metropolis and the bridge that is destroyed in, in Milestone um, on the outskirts of Paris Island basically come one giant bridge with like this fog that kind of surrounds it. So no one can really see it very well. And that is the end of issue. Well, icon number 15. So to pick it up with uh, steel issue six, we have steel uh, bringing in Jamal irons and he's going after, he's then going after Colonel uh, Weston. And then there's a big sort of like standoff, but or lift it. It's hard to tell because I uh, steel is in the air while this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weston's men get uh, arrested by the police, and they have a they have a the cop has is saying like if you're a hero or bring him down, steel. If you're one of the good guys, then bring him down. And steel is mentioned saying that. He's been pouring drugs and guns into the institute, into the DC hoods. He ordered hits on innocent women and kids. He deserves to die. So you have a moment where you don't know whether you don't. You're not sure if Steel's gonna kill this man, but he ends up uh, dropping him. So he ends up taking the good path, and he asks the uh, female police officer or the female cop. About an organization called Black Ops, and he he then proceeds to fly throughout the city, and he's talking about how he notices the bridge, the Hobbs Neck Bridge, and how it collapsed during a fight between Super, Superboy and the Stinger, and he's no he's also 
he can also or he can also see in the background the the distri- the the completely fubard uh city uh, cityscape yeah and the timeline kind of bounces around a little bit so at the end of icon the bridges have already connected and then in steel this technically happens i think around the same time um so there will be things that we talk about and then immediately afterwards and when we get into the next issue it'll be like it happens all over again and it's just because a lot of this stuff is happening um in parallel with each other so so next so then we have hazard talking to uh uh uh, Spencer saying or mentioning uh, Alva and then a another character who I'm not familiar with um, who in a very revealing outfit but then again <laughs> this is the 90s mm-hmm. yeah I think her name is Shellshock I believe yeah Shellshock and then so then we get we get we go to uh, to uh, Manuel Cabral, the head of Rainforest Technologies, who's providing the funding for everything. And he mentioned that mentions the Benson case and that it's much too complex for Dr. West to deal with. And uh, should he be? Why? Why does he look like uh, John John Travolta? <laughs> yeah, I kind of noticed that too. He's got that like smug look on his face, and yeah. So next we have uh, Hardware Rocket and Superboy, sort of in limbo or in between universes, and they see Benson, and they end up back. Are the four then form them? end up in the amalgamated world and Benson's again saying I just he just wants to go home. And Superboy is flirty with Rocket. And Rocket doesn't is sort of actively saying that it could be just a figment of his ma- his imagination. And Superboy with a very great quote, he might have imagined a luscious babe like you. But he sure wouldn't bother to imagine me. Judges, different times. Different times. <laughs> so, oh god, who is the character I just mentioned? Which one? Shellshock? Or uh, Hazard. Hazard. Uh, can you take over? I hit the. I jumped too many too many places. Oh yeah, you're good. So yeah, so Hazard and his crew are trying to basically locate where Fred transported everybody. And once they are able to get a fix on him, he sends all of his troops there, which leads to a giant fight between Hardware Superboy and Rocket with all of these flying hazards men. Um, And as Steel is helping some people not far away, he catches some action going on. And so he ends up flying over that way. It runs into Hardware, who recognizes Steel from the visions he had in his issue a few issues ago, um, and immediately starts attacking Steel, thinking that he is part of this group that is attacking them at the moment. Um, And despite Steel being incredibly smart and incredibly strong, 
kind of isn't really doing much of anything against hardware. Um, and so while hardware and steel are fighting up in the sky, um, Superboy and Rocket are taking out the goons kind of on the ground. Um, Rocket is able to n- see that steel and hardware are going at it and knows both of them are the good guys. So she ends up butting in and telling them to stop. Um, and as everything starts to kind of get under wraps, all the heroes except steel are transported out again. Um, and then hazard uses one of his own, um, teleporters to send all of his men back to the laboratory, um, right as Superman shows up. And that's basically at the time where steel notifies Superman that something bigger is going on than what they currently know. And to, uh, yeah, basically keep an eye out for the most part. Um, the next page basically has Alva on one side of the page and Hazard on the other as Fred is at this point existing within both worlds. And they're both trying to push Fred's power more into their world than the other. And as they're doing it, Fred basically comes to in both worlds, which is what creates the combination of milestone and DC um, on the bridge. And that is how steel number six ends is with steel and Superman flying over the bridge and noticing it's connected, but they're unable to see through this uh, fog that's kind of existing around it. And then after that, we get to blood syndicate number 16. And this is the issue where blood syndicate meets up with Superman. Uh, But before they do that, they're just kind of chilling on Paris Island and they start to, they feel kind of like an earthquake go on. Um, And so when they go to investigate, they're running over the bridge and they notice this impenetrable wall of smoke. Um, But as it starts to dissipate, they are able to finally travel through it and they notice that the bridge is whole again, which takes them by surprise. Um, But when they look out into the distance, they see the city, which is in far worse condition than they thought it would be in. But this is because they think it's Dakota and not Metropolis, which as they go in to investigate, they start noticing, you know, this building is not in Dakota. The street is not Dakota. They're calling us, you know, they're asking if we're with Superman and in their world, as we find out in this issue is that Superman and Superboy and the DC universe are all fictional characters. They're all comic books. They're all on TV. And so they're just thinking that all these people are delusional at this point, Uh, but they're going around, they're saving people. They're having trouble and they run across Lois Lane at one of the red cross campsites. And Lois at this point is needing some help finding some water. Uh, one of the milestone characters, well, sorry, one of the blood syndicate characters in Aqua Maria, who she has pretty good control over water and everything. And she is able to sense some that is underneath. And so she just kind of focuses on it and is able to bring it up from underground. And it's a pretty nice scene of just like rain falling down on all these people who haven't had showers or had drinkable water in a while. Um, and they just kind of, they just kind of bask in all that water coming down on them finally. 
And then another Blood Syndicate character in Masquerade is able to transform into like different animals. And he has transformed into a bear and he starts digging around some rubble and Superman's flying by and mistakes him for a zoo animal. So he picks him up and starts flying away with him, which leads to this kind of this kind of humorous scene of this like kind of cute cuddly bear wearing like this red outfit looking back at Superman and say, take your mother to the zoo fool, which surprises Superman <laughs> as he then changes into a snake and Superman just flings him off. And that's kind of how the whole battle begins. Um, Masquerade changes back into a hawk. And then as he gets closer to Superman turns into basically an octopus or a squid, which ends up taking Superman down. Um, Try to think who this character was. DMZ, I believe his name is. Um, he basically charges at Superman, knocks him right into a wall, and they start going at it. But Masquerade is starting to taunt Superman. Um, he says, This fool dresses up like it's Halloween and goes around grabbing folks, and he's worried about hurting us. And then calls him a bad word, which in the comic is just a bunch of scribbles. And you see Superman with this pissed off face and he just knocks DMZ like into the distance into some building. Um, and then the blood syndicate are like, okay, that's what time it is. And they all basically bum rush Superman at one time. And that is blood syndicate 16. So I'm not sure who, uh, what the, who the credit, what the creative team is on worlds collide worlds collide. I have it right here. So they had, Everything was split up into different pages. Um, so, for example, Robert L. Washington III is pages 2 through 18. Uh, Dwayne McDovey uh, has 19 through 28, 38 through 40, and 46 and 47. And then Ivan Velez Jr. has 29 through 37, 41 through 45. Um, and then some of the writers, there's quite a bit. Uh, John Paul Leon, Criss Cross, M.D. Bright, Chris Batista, Tom Grummet, and Dennis Cowan. Okay, so uh, Superboy is or basically the biggest point in the book so so far is are at issue are at uh, page ten. Superboy and Static meet, and there is a character who I I'm not sure I don't know, I don't know who it is who is basically Steel and has wheels for legs yeah so before this um basically fred would typically transport everybody at the same time to the same place um and this time around he transports everyone else to different locations in dakota and so fred is kind of by himself and he has basically created these comic books that he wrote as a kid into the real world and static is also trying to make his own comic books and so as static and fred bump into each other fred or static thinks fred is a real comic writer or an artist or whatever and so stack tries showing fred all this work to you know try again in in the industry except fred's power ends up popping out the villain and superhero i'm pretty sure it's a superhero they start going at each other at first um pops them both out from static's comic so this character with wheels is the villain and the one with like blue and red stripes is supposed to be the hero. So they're not actual like milestone characters. They're just like 
kind of goofy characters that Static came up with for his comic book. Okay, so bike or roller roller dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even remember he's, if they gave you a name at this point. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. He's just trying to get like hurt uh, Superboy and Static. They're arguing while he's just bumbling around. And then someone comes into and then the last two panels someone comes into sight saying uh, look up in the look up in the in the air. It's a hawk. It's a, it's a Cessna. It's Fabulous Man with special guest star uh, Super Nazi Fighter. <laughs> yeah, and these two are more creations of Fred as you could tell by each character having Fred's head, but they're uh, far more masculine and <laughs> superhero-y. Super Nazi fighter looks like um, Guile. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they got around that one. And uh, I need to actually need to know who the female character is. Oh, Rocket. Okay, so, so she, Rocket, Static, and Superboy, and... Are they just? They're sort of just. I. It's hard to tell, but like, Superboy and Static don't. Yeah, it's a little confusing here because you would think that Fabulous Man and Super Nazi Fighter, along with whoever that hero was that came out of Static's book, would be helping him against. Looks like his name is Burn Rubber, but for whatever reason, all of them are attacking Static and Superboy as yeah, Rocket there's... comes in to to help him out. There's a great. I'm looking at on page fifteen, a great like shot of Static and Superboy in a bolt, basically in a shielded shield sort of, with all these characters either shooting them with bullets, raining down uh, heat vision, uh, trying to bash them in, and they all end up getting taken out by uh, Rocket. And then Superboy and Rocket have, uh, they try to, he tries to mend the offense that he made. And while, the, while this is happening, all the character or the Super Nazi fighter, or all the characters basically get amalgamated into one and try attacking uh, Static, Rocket, and Superboy. We then go to, back, we then go to Metropolis. Where Hazard and Shellshock have Fred, and they they don't understand the enormous power, the amount of power he's he's producing. Also, also, I need need to say, Hazard's mask it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I really like Hazard's design. It it's looks very nineties, like, but I like it. <laughs> it sort of looks like Wildstorm stuff. Yeah, just kind of this. Lots of silver and black, but no belts or anything. It's just like this. It's like you had a big black onesie and you had like a silver, you know, knee high boots. And (laughs) yeah. So back in Dakota, Rocket, uh, Static, and Superboy are trying to get through to to Fred, saying that with him saying that everything's different now that I've got the power. And he mentions. He says that when he was a kid, we'd play Batman like on, like on TV. The biggest kid would get to be Batman. The other kids would get to, would get to be Joker or Robin or the Penguin, and he'd always have to be the henchman or one of the henchmen. 
and he goes into a whole thing about how his basically basically his lot in life, and they're trying to get through to him. Static saying that his dreams can come come true. He can be a superhero and save the world. He can secretly laugh at all the people who only know you and your normal guys as an unpopular geek. And then he says, uh, not that I know, know anything about that person personally. And he then attacks. And I kind of, I also like the, the way, like the way his powers look. Mm-hmm. I like the beams he's shooting off. Yes. It's very, it's like, you know, when I look at that, it reminds me of Mr. Negative from Spider-Man. Yeah. Just a lot of black, a lot of white. So they're, as he's attacking them with, like, shooting the the energy beams, back in Metropolis, uh, Shellshock said, or Shellshock, uh, we've got him, sir, but he's fighting us. And Hazard says, increase the power. And we get a, he's, and we get a bit where Fred says, Wait, I'm in Metropolis too. Images, memories, doesn't make sense. Hazard, Alva, doesn't matter. They can't have me. I'm the important one. They are not. They are nothing. And then we have hardware. And uh, is this Alva? Yeah. So they're talking, uh, and saying that he, that Fred is tapping into a power source that could crack the Earth like an egg, eggshell, and saying that maybe that. Maybe they can help him control it, and maybe he'll sneeze and blow us out of hell. And then we have this great panel of um, it looks like uh, his his two different like like his real self and his mental self are sort of like re re emerging or re merging. Mm-hmm. Then he says, "Alva too." You can't have you can't have me. You can't. And then he then breaks, basically breaks free, saying, "I'm the one who's real. I'm the one with the power. I am the power. I am." And it's just that the picture, which looks very goofy, and so he's so right now Fred is turned into the villain, and he says, "I'm Rift," and he says, "Hazard Alva, I will require time to conceive of a punishment suitable for you, for the two of you." Until my return, live in fear. And then the worlds converge. So, do you have a good way to summarize this page? Uh, page 29? Yeah, so basically the next few pages are the Blood Syndicate versus Superman battle. And so, basically where we left off in Blood Syndicate, they're all charging Superman. And Superman is mostly trying to take it easy on them because he's not really sure what's going on. And they're all just kind of having their way with him for the most part. He's defending himself, you know, hitting back and whatnot. Uh, but for the most part, he's taking it easy on them. Um, you know, he's using his heat vision. He's just kind of throwing them out of the way. Um, you know, he's taking punches, knowing that he can do it. Um, there's one scene in particular I really like because Masquerade changes into a rhino and charges at Superman. And then there's another character who has the ability to like reverse time for five seconds. And then so she ends up doing it and has masquerade basically charge into Superman again. And he's like all confused on how that worked. Um, But as she tries to flashback one more time, he kind of dodges out of the way. Yeah. And then we see uh, uh, her brother show up like, yo, that's my sister you're messing with. 
where are these people? Don't ever touch my sister. Are, <laughs> are you through? Nope. Uh, next, and he then he just gets hit as well. As someone who's From never Aqua Maria, yeah. As someone who's never read or hasn't gotten hasn't read much Milestone, um, I may start reading some later after seeing this stuff. Oh, hmm. yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that really kind of bummed me out as I, as they were being released is that I really took to a lot of these characters. I really started liking them, but I had no way of buying any of their books. And so I I still need to go back and find them in like the back issue bins at some point because I really liked what I what I've read. Yeah, so on uh, page twenty thirty six, we have Superman just being dominated by the Blood 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 Syndicate, and we see uh, is that Rift? That's saying that's it. That's enough. No, uh, one of the Blood Syndicate characters can like control her hair. Um, so she basically has them all wrapped up, and so that's Superman peeking through her hair. Okay, so then he that or he then uses seed vision. Uh, now, rift, and we then go go back to Sadler. Rockets ask is asking Fred, "Are you in there?" And he he says, "Did you not hear? Fred Benson Benson is no more. I am." And Static automatically responds with, "Incredibly tall," <laughs> and. Superboy responds with, "You think he's he's big? You should see the guy, the kid who used to beat him up all the time." Which, with a little editor's note for in Nikon fifteen, so he ends up turning into a gargantuan uh, being enough to dwarf a major uh, major city, and he that he then takes one of, or he takes the city and basically. Just destroys it. Yeah, that was Paris Island, um, home of Rocket and Rocket, the Blood Syndicate. He just kind of chucks it over his shoulder like it's nothing. So then we go back to Metropolis, where, and they they think he destroyed Dakota, and he then tries to say, or he then tries to say that like there's been a big mistake here, and then there's he says he's Superman and. Shows explaining, to which he's respond. Someone responds with, "Oh man, cut the boop," <laughs> and then they end up believing him that he's not a destroyer of worlds. He's just Superman. Then we go to DMZ, and he's just in. He's just there. Then Superman, or Superman, tries to get the Bloodson to get to. Stop! Like try to call it like a truce. Then DMZ DMZ uh, charges at Superman, and he gets DMZ rightfully gets reprimanded. And then we have is this Lois who comes in? Look, yeah, who sounds like a uh, sounds like a Karen. <laughs> yeah, saying can't you can't you see he's busy? So they say that. Or Superman tries to explain things to Lois, saying that these people seem to be lost, and then they respond with, "No, we ain't lost. We, you just ain't real." And then a, uh, they talk about going back to the bridge, and then we get a scene at uh, that I swear was just taken from Fan- Fantastic Four from the sixties, <laughs> with a giant tidal wave, 
looking like, like it's going to hit whatever, what it basically whatever's left. And we get a good shot of, or get we get a good image of how much damage has been done. And that is the end of the Worlds Collide issue. So. Okay. All right. So Superboy 7 kind of starts at the end of there. Um, they see that the tidal wave was created from the destruction of Paris Island. It basically pops out of the sky and lands. Um, so basically this giant tidal wave is getting ready to impact both Metropolis and Dakota. And everybody from the Blood Syndicate to Superman to Superboy, Rocket and Static, um, all kind of rush in to try and stop it. Um, Rocket, Static, and Superboy each try their own way of dealing with it and all fail miserably. Um, And Superboy almost drowns at the same time that Icon shows up. Except when Icon shows up, so does Rift. And Rift basically puts him in a a stasis field basically making him impossible to help whatsoever. Um, And then it cuts back to Metropolis, where Superman decides to try and thin out some of the wave by crashing into it multiple times. And that is when Aquamaria decides to jump in and form her own counter tidal wave to basically cancel it out. And then it flashes back to Dakota, where Rift starts kind of playing around with Icon a bit. And kind of notices some similarities between Icon and Superman and messes with Icon's costume a bit, changing him into like the Superman, you know, blue suit with red undies and boots and Icon's green cape. And then changes the symbol to have like the more shape of Superman, but with Icon's like eye in the middle. (laughs) Um And then he basically comments that perhaps I created you both, a dream within a dream. Yes, I have that power. But two worlds are too many. Fortunately, I have the power to correct that also. And so, you know, Rocket is pissed because she just saw all of her friends and family killed. And she rushes off to fight Rift. Whereas Superboy and Static are thinking that the only one who could stop the tidal wave is Rift himself. So Superboy gives Static the the role of uh, talking to Rift and fixing everything while he catches Rocket and stops her from doing something stupid, um, which she easily gets him off of her. But in doing so, he bumps off of Rift's head and he ends up grabbing Superboy as Static begins to talk to Rift, trying to calm him down a bit. Um, you know, he ends up saying, I mean, we don't want to die and we sure don't want a tidal wave crashing everything, you know, trashing everything. Come on, man, you can save us. And Rift instead decides that they would rather burn. So he turns the tidal wave to a wave of fire. And then it flashes back to Metropolis with Aquamaria crashing into that and turning everything to, to steam. And... By all intents and purposes, it looks like she has died on her end. And then back in Dakota, Rift has basically frozen the tidal wave, which is now back in water. Uh, Your fates are mine to control as easily as I retransform this wave and freeze it in time. And so now you just have this giant tidal wave frozen midair above. And, you know, back in Metropolis, or, you know... uh, 
I wish I had her name. Uh, she's trying to do her flashback technique and reverse time so Aquamaria will survive again. Um, and it's about here that Blood Syndicate and Superman think they may have to start working together. Um, and so it goes back to the teenage trio. Rocket goes full blast into Riff's head, knocks him back as static kind of locks Riff's knee in place, and Superboy is able to break free from Riff's grip, Riff's grip and just kind of twist it in a way that Rift has nothing to do but kind of fall into the water. And then they start celebrating and thinking they took down this big superpowered god. And then Rift basically, he just kind of locks them up in this gravestone type thing. And so last page is him walking off with Icon, kind of stuck in a stasis field. And you see this like gravestone with Superboy and I, or Superboy and Static staring at each other with Rocket in between them a little further down. And that is the end of Superboy 7. So in Hardware 18, we get a recap of what who Fred was before he became ripped. And he wants to basically retcon problems, or basically he wants to retcon uh, power. Uh, problems between Metropolis and Dakota and Alva and Hardware's get the have, have an idea that they work with people the the guys in Metropolis so they reach out to Hazard to plan an attack on Rift and they know that there's some some betrayal going on so Hardware go, grabs Transit as their way to bridge the dimensional divide meanwhile Hazard contacts Steel to get his help and so using transit, Alva creates an extra dimensional space uh, between the universes of Milestone DC. And it's there that they will create the trap, knowing that it will bring Rift there. Hardware and still can work, but they sort of clash initially when it comes to the best method to build it. So Steel doesn't want to hurt, wants to do things the good way and not harm Rift, just trap him. And but hardware wants to basically have a fail safe just in case something bad happens, and so like Rift will die. So so that this means that only one thing can happen. That's a big fight. And they eventually, unlike Batman v Superman, or unlike uh, Civil War, uh, they unlike or, or <clears throat> unlike. That episode of Smallville where Lex Luthor and Green Arrow shot each other. <laughs> After fighting, they decide to, tr- to, to uh, trust each other. And that's where lead into Man of Steel 36. Yeah, so with Man of Steel 36, we are 10 issues into the 14-issue story. Um, Superman checks on whatever it was that caused the tidal wave and discovers that there are dead people floating around in the water uh, among the wreckage of Paris Island. Um, and then as he surfaces, he catches his first glimpse of Rift, who towers above him. Um, Superman tries to understand Rift's motivation before Rift opens his mouth and blasts him with this giant energy beam, um, basically sending Superman crashing into the city. Would you say he hawked a major loogie? You could say that. <laughs> like I like the I, I love John Bogdanov's art. He just Ah, uh, just this giant orange beam 
blasting out. I love it. And so it flashes over to, you know, Superboy, Rocket, and Static stuck in that gravestone. Um, Rocket, or Rocket is able to bust them free since Superboy and Static's powers are somewhat canceling each other out while they're stuck. Um, and then they're sitting there kind of trying to figure out how to bust Icon out. And Superboy surprises them both by showing his uh, technical prowess when it comes to vocabulary. Um, and he ends up saying, stasis means he's perfectly balanced between opposing forces, positive and negative energy, maybe electromagnetic. And this catches Rocket and Static. So they, they talk like that all the time. And so Static just got cracks his knuckles and says electromagnetic. Just said my middle name. Gonna overload this sucker and blow Icon free. And that's exactly what he does. Um, however, upon being freed, Rift grabs Icon and pulls him to where Superman is, f- and pulls him to where Superman's trying to fight Rift at the moment. And Rift basically tosses Icon right into Superman, causing them to crash into the ruins of Metropolis, and tells them that they need to fight. And so there, you know, Icon and Superman are like talking to each other. He's asking what happened icons asking what happened to paris island superman tells him you know rift ended up putting everyone under the water um and that he'll do the same for metropolis unless they follow his rules and rift is basically like you guys don't really have a choice do what i say or i'll destroy the city and he just kind of waves his hands and blows up uh part of metropolis I I do find like well, I'm kind of I'm just smiling at the scene at this uh, page of Frank and Perry, where Frank wants to suspend publication and and Perry just he's pushing to like keep going, which is mm. a very Perry a very Perry White thing to do. Oh yeah, and so as Superman and Icon kind of talk it out, they're like, listen, we got to fight, but let's just kind of put on a fight. So let's make it look believable, but not really, you know, let's just make it look good. And so Icon clocks Superman saying that, you know, Superman's even stronger than he is. So he doesn't really have to hold back. And Superman's left kind of just rubbing his jaw after he crashes into a building and is not bad for a figment of someone's imagination. And then Superman just kind of gives Icon this little love tap on the side. And Icon's a little confused. He's like, I, thought you wanted to make this look believable. And Superman's like, this is sort of a test. Wasn't sure how much you could take. I didn't want to pull my punch any more than I had to. As he clocks him with his right and sends him off into the distance. And then they have this idea that they'll continue to fight. And then as Rift comes towards them, they'll end up turning on him to fight Rift. Um, But about that time, Rift catches a boat, which Lois Lane is on. And he, you know, as Fred, he knew Lois. He was friends with Lois. So he sees her, reaches over and grabs her, pulls him up, which enrages Superman. And Superman just goes full force into Rift's chest, knocking him on his butt, which pisses Rift off even more. And he's like, okay, we're going to up the ante here, and you and Icon are definitely going to uh, give me a real fight. And so he transports all of them back to Dakota. And that's where Man Steel 36 ends. So I just accidentally advanced to the next issue. Oh, Which one? 
uh, Man of Steel 37. And the look, the let's say the the cover, yeah. <laughs> I just had it. I just had a li- a living nightmare. Charlie, is it, that the Zero Hour? Uh, yeah. Is the one with Batman? Yeah, I knew that one. I love it. I love that cover so much. <laughs> yeah, it's just man, all those Batman. I love that. I, I do like that they even have the animated ver- ver- version of Batman in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Bogdanov, he is so good at recreating like any type of style for a character. He's dealt with Superman on a number of occasions, but yeah, I, I love it when he tackles like all of them in one photo. It's fantastic. So do you want me to tackle Icon 16? Uh, yeah, I'm starting to get a little sleepy. Okay, no problem. So Icon 16 is where Icon and Superman really duke it out. Um, Icon gives them one last chance. Or wait. Rift gives them one last chance. Um, He forces Superman and Icon to watch helplessly as he allows the tidal wave to crash down on Dakota. Um, However, he promises he will bring it back good as new if Icon can defeat Superman. Whereas if Superman were to win, he will revert the destroyed Metropolis to its perfect state. Um, Basically, he's telling them that if you guys want to save your cities, take this seriously. Um, you don't have to kill each other, but whoever wins, your city will be restored. But it's also here that he does that Rift kind of explains the differences between Icon and Superman. Um, saying Superman is the original mythos and asking if he's still strong enough to be relevant today or if the new mythos in Icon is able to surpass it. Um, both men basically don't want to risk the other to try and save the day. And so they both go full, full board at it. Um, each of them get in their, Oh, sorry. So have you ever read conversions? Yeah. I just realized that reading that so far, this whole thing is feeling a lot like it did when I read conversions in a way. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> So yeah, the two of them go at it pretty good. Um, Icon tries to outsmart Superman in several ways. Um, surprises him with some powers he wasn't aware of. But it's a pretty good fight between the two until Rift basically stops him. Um, he basically admits that neither of them will ever yield to the other. So perhaps each myth is incomplete without the other. And so his error is that he created two worlds separate. And instead, he needs to correct that in combining both worlds. And so the last page of that issue is him grabbing both planets, uh, the milestone DC, and he starts cramming them together, which is uh, very reminiscent of what ends up happening in infinite crisis with Alexander Luther creating, you know, all these different earths. Um, Very, very similar to that. Um, But before we get into the next issue, I just want to point out that icon 16 Dwayne McDuffie does a fantastic job um, without saying it, but describing white privilege between Superman and Con. Um, so in it, in issue 16, he basically breaks down the origin of each character. And so I will, I'm going to just read it here really briefly just because it is fantastic. So he says with Superman, Superman was rocketed to safety from the doomed planet Krypton, a child of the stars and orphan. 
You arrived on Earth in America's heartland and were raised to manhood on a Kansas farm by human parents who could not have loved you more had you been their own flesh and blood. Your parents adopted you. In turn, you adopted their values. You were the ultimate immigrant. You succeeded by bringing what was best of your old world into the mainstream of the new world. As Superman, you shared the special gifts that were your birthright in your adoptive land. You are the personification of the American dream and not incidentally the greatest hero this planet has ever seen. And then he turns as though, you know, he turns over to Icon. He's like, Icon, yet another castaway from space. You were forced to come to this world over 150 years ago. Your landing was in the heart of the old South, but instead of arriving to the loving arms of an adopted family, you discover that by virtue of the color of your skin, you were a slave. You were not permitted to bring your knowledge, skills, and culture to the mainstream. Only your labor was considered a value. So instead of bequeathing your great gifts to the benefit of the new world, you turn to you turn them to the daily struggle for survival. And when young Raquel Irvin convinced you that you could do more, you rose to the challenge, lacking the benefit of the doubt that Superman always enjoyed. Still, your success is admirable. And it's just a such a great way to discuss that both of them set out to do the same thing. Both of them could provide, you know, equal good with, you know, again, their culture, their knowledge, their skills. And because of Superman being white, he was accepted. People didn't look down on him at all. Meanwhile, Icon had to, you know, fight his way to be a hero. And even as a hero, still never got the full benefit of the doubt. All because of the color of his skin. And it's just one of the many ways that Dwayne McDuffie has done a fantastic job. You know? Yeah. um, We talked about this last episode with, when I mentioned the two but the two Superman uh, documentaries. Mm-hmm. Dwayne McDuffie's was able to was on both of, or I think he was on both of them, or not one of them. He mentions that Superman bring is the immigrant experience, where he brings the best of the old of the old old uh, like the values of the old country, or in in, the, in his case, the old planet. And it just showed how Dwayne McDuffie just understood these characters, like like others today just don't. It's just he does such a great job, and he doesn't even have to say the words that we all know he's trying to say, but he's able to describe it in a way we can all understand. Whether you, you know, even if you don't want to accept <laughs> the the truth in the world, um, I found one little comment from an interview he made about his writing style. Um, Basically, he wanted readers to think about certain things. And he says, I'm conscious of race whenever I'm writing, just as I'm conscious of class, religion, human psychology, politics, everything that makes up the human experience. I don't think I can do a good job if I'm not paying attention to what's meaningful to people. And in American culture, there isn't anything that informs human interaction more than the idea of race. Just... He left way too early. <laughs> yeah. He had so much more he could have told. But especially in today's world. Would have been great. All right. Do you just want me to finish the whole thing off? I know you uh, said you're tired. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. There's only three more issues. So. Uh, so in Steel 7, the world starts merging. The labs become unstable, causing transits to lose conscious. 
consciousness due to falling rubble. Everyone is pulled out of the reality between dimensions and Hazard, Hardware, and Steel go to investigate what's going on and come across Rift, Holding, Icon, and Superman. All the heroes, Mind's Blood Syndicate, meet up and help people when Static notices that friends and family are gone now because of the merging. Static pulls a rocket and charges at Rift, who bats him away easily, but it gives Steel and Hardware the idea to distract Rift while Superman and Icon grab the trap stuck in the other reality since they are the only ones capable of lifting it. The distraction works as their teamwork puts Rift on his butt again, though not without some damage being done to themselves and Superboy almost drowning. Having defeated the heroes, Rift compliments them as being capable heroes, possibly worth keeping around in his new world. However, he doesn't feel the same about Hazard and Alva, and does yet another mouth beam and destroys uh, both labs. And then the next issue is Blood Syndicate 17, which is far funnier than I was expecting it to be, considering everything that was kind of going on in these worlds. Uh, it cuts a little bit in time right to right after Aquamaria seems to have appeared on. Um, they dive in the water to see if they can locate her, but come across the remnants of Paris Island. Uh, Rift makes his appearance and finds himself in a fight with the Blood Syndicate, who are extremely pissed off. And they prove annoying to him, so he decides to remodel them for his new world. Um, he creates a reality in which they are good little boys and girls in a schoolhouse. And it reminds me of like the old 50s or 60s, kind of almost like Fat Albert in a way, in terms of like how they dress and whatnot. And they're all good little boys and girls. And from this teacher who's. Uh, the New World Domination. And when the great Columbus discovered the New World, many of the savages on the land were frightened at first. They had never seen anyone so intelligent and well-bred before. But eventually they had to acknowledge his cultural superiority and innate European resourcefulness. <laughs> and so as like the whole uh, reality continues on, they start coming to that they are not in the reality they should be. So why, son, he is asked a question, and that's when it dawns on him that this isn't what he's supposed to be. So he stands up, and he says, in so many uh, blanked-out words, blank, blank, Columbus, and blank, blank, blank you <laughs> to this teacher. That's that's still relevant, or that's still fun. <laughs> it's great. And so all these other characters are like, what the hell am I doing in this outfit? So they all start kind of reverting back to their old selves. And the teacher's like, demerits, demerits for all of you, every single one. And just shows like the entire class now standing up. And then the next panel is the teacher being knocked out of the, out of the wall. And then it has rift coming back again. And he's like, I'm trying to help, you know, I'm trying to help you make you all relevant for my world. So, you know, at this point, Aqua Maria ends up coming back. She's a whole bunch of steam, and then she's able to transform back into her water self. Um, so she lends a blast at Rift. And in doing so, he transform re transforms reality all over again. Except now this time, it's an X-Men parody called X-Gang. Um, and they're all fighting each other and everything. And Aqua Maria is Wet Hydrix, the Phoenix kind of knockoff. And it's almost immediately that they realize they're in the other reality again. And they're like, 
damn, not again. And so they all start attacking Rift again. And as Fade kind of disappears while Rift is about, you know, distracted, Rift turns the rest of the Blood Syndicate into a statue. And then Wise Sun's children, who are also in the issue, he turns them and Dog into bubbles and just lets them float away, which ends Blood Syndicate 17. And then the final issue is Static 14, uh, which starts off a bit differently. Uh, Rift has succeeded in combining the two worlds and has given it a futuristic 50s flair. Uh, We see Static, Rocket, and Superboy decked out in new duds to model it after the Legion of Superheroes, in a way. Um, And funny enough, Superboy is not only in new duds, he is modeled after... um, Remember Fabulous Man? Yeah. He is Fabulous Boy, so he looks very much like him. Oh man, that he if this were like if this happened today, things would not be good for that. There'd be a lot of negative <laughs> feedback for that name by Fabulous. Uh, so yeah, Static is able to uh he realizes kind of what's going on here since he's a fan of comics and realizes there should be some sort of mission monitor where he can locate the other heroes, which is exactly what's happening. There's a screen of probably looks like 20 to 25 heroes on the screen. Um, some are missing, such as Superman and Icon. Um, some are just, you know, showing as late. Some are on patrol, all that kind of jazz. Um, we see steel and hardware not impacted. They look the exact same. But Transit is able to locate them and inform them that Superman, Icon, and the trap that they had set for Rift are still between the dimensions. Um, And so they are able to locate the trap, and Transit is able to locate them using a very small portal. Um, Then it goes kind of back and forth between all these. So next is Rocket reassuring Static that everything will be fine and gives him a kiss before they're interrupted by Fade who is unfazed by the whole fusion of worlds. Uh, Rift has actually been on the lookout for Fade since he realized he was not part of the Blood Syndicate statue transformation. And then pulls the three heroes outside, which is where the Blood Syndicate statue is, which is supposed to model the, um, you know, like in Teen Titans when they have all the fallen hero statues. Yeah. That's kind of what the Blood Syndicate statues are supposed to represent there. Um, And so he ends up having the statues come to life and fight, um, I guess, technically fabulous boy. Um, let's see. What are their names here? Rocket gal fade and that is what they're now called. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, hardware steel and transit are able to open the dimensional portal up wide enough for Superman icon to pull the trap out. Um, as rift blast, fade into different pieces um, but that is before Rift gets blasted by Holocaust who basically says that you know you thought Fade was going to come alone and it really didn't matter because Rift basically burns Holocaust to a, to a crisp um, within like three panels um, this leaves Static as the last one standing as the other heroes locate Rift um, Static tries but fails to take Rift down, but it was all that was needed for Icon Superman to get the trap fixed as they head towards Rift. And as they approach, Rift notices that the trap, along with Superman Icon flying with it, 
appear to look like the monster that originally plagued the nightmares that Fred was having. Um, so as the trap starts to suck up Rift in his energy, it starts to lose power until Static gives it the last energy boost needed to contain Rift and diffuse the two worlds. And so at that point, it goes back to where everything is the same prior to all this happening, but the heroes in each world remember what happened, uh, whereas everyone else in the world does not. Um, neither of them are positive the other people really exist, or if it was all a dream or whatever. Um, but they each inspired each other to keep doing the right thing. And so the last page is Fred Benson looking normal, um, sleeping happily in a dark void. Finally, able, after 14 weeks. 14 weeks, being able to finally sleep for the first time in God knows how many years. Um, so that is the end of the main Worlds Collide story. But it does pick back up many years later after Final Crisis during Dwayne McDuffie's JLA run. And so at this point, I'm not going to go over every issue in this this one because a lot of it doesn't really have relevance to the original story. Um, but part of... So slightly rewinding, part of the goal with Worlds Collide was for more people to become aware of the Milestone books. Um, and according to Ivan, the books did sell really well, um, although the royalties from the sales were given more to DC than Milestone. Um, Milestone fans took to it pretty well. They really enjoyed it. Um, but no... Because of how DC kind of interrupted the Fall of Metropolis storyline, it's hard to say whether or not the Superman fans at the time liked having it kind of forced into the books at the time. Um, I did, but can't speak for everyone. Anyways, for the later story, um, after Final Crisis... The Milestone universe was folded into the DC universe. Um, this basically came to head in the When Worlds Collide story written by Dwayne McDuffie in 2008. Um, during the story arc, the Shadow Cabinet, along with hardware, break into the Justice League headquarters to steal the remains of the male Dr. Light who had oh, been turned. <laughs> you remember that? No, I, I, I remember Identity Crisis and Dr. Light. <laughs> yeah, this is after this is him getting his comeuppance. Uh, when Spectre turns him into a candle during Final Crisis uh, Revelations number one. And so the goal here was that they were going to revive the powers of the female Dr. Light, Kamio Hoshi, um, that had been stolen from her by Arthur Light um, because they need her assistance for the upcoming fight with Starbreaker, who is shown to be the main villain during the story arc. Because um, Starbreaker is on the search for Dharma, who has the power of a thousand suns inside of him, which is what powers Starbreaker. And so after the whole fight and everything, um, Icon had made a deal with Superman to inform him of everything going on. Um, and so as Icon and Superman speak with Dharma, that is when Dharma kind of explains everything. Um, he says that when Darkseid was defeated, the Milestone universe would have been destroyed. However, Dharma was able to tap into the power of Rift from the original story that's after mentioning that sparks the memory 
to Superman. I was like, yeah, we did work together on something like that. But it doesn't make sense to him because in his memory and, you know, the fusion of all, you know, the timelines and whatnot, um, he remembers knowing Icon for years. But that's only because Dharma was able to merge the two worlds and is still in the process of holding the merge together, which rewrote the continuity between the two to make sense. Um, however, the fight with Starbreaker kind of damaged that merge, and so Dharma needs to repair it. However, he is leaving it up to Icon and Superman to decide whether or not they want their universe to remain merged. Um, if they don't, the universes will drift apart and one will cease to exist. But, of course, they both agree, thinking they can work together and the story ends. Um, it's basically a nice way for McDuffie to kind of put Dharma in the seat of any future writers and maybe himself prior to his death in what was it, 2010? Uh, 20, yeah, I want to say 2011. 2011. So, yeah, he basically promises to work as hard as he can to keep the two universes together um, as long as the heroes are capable of working and coex coexisting together. Um, so it almost felt like, you know, if this if these two heroes are what you both want, we will gladly keep Milestone in the DC universe. And, yeah, that was kind of the follow-up to Worlds Collide. And with that, that is it. That's all I have. Yeah, so uh, Dwayne McDuffie died February 21st, 2011, uh, the day after he turned 49. Ugh, way and too soon. He hit his last, uh, it seems his last uh, comic work was Milestone Forever's two-issue, basically chronicling I what happened in the Milestone universe for a catastrophic event fuses their continuity with the, the continuity of the DC universe. I didn't know that. I actually bought that uh, collection like two weeks ago, so I'm gonna have to read that soon. And I don't know if you uh, have you have you read uh, the series Naomi? I have not. Uh, they, she's the basically the the first like the or she's the latest, the latest like big character cre creation or created by DC in uh, Brian Bendis's Wonder Comics line. Huh. She her last her full name is. Naomi McDuffie. Oh, and she is like a very OP character. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, at some point I would like to, I mean, I already discussed this with you, Alan. I would like to have an episode um, strictly devoted to Dwayne McDuffie, um, his history, his legacy, stuff he's done, all that kind of stuff. Because uh, I think it's important everyone kind of realizes how important he was to the industry. But if you don't have anything else, then I will. We can get off of here and you can. I know it's getting late for you. You can hit the hay and that can be that. Sounds good. So I'll, I'll mention, I'll talk to you about this uh, after we're done recording. Okay. All right. Well, with that, that is the end of this episode um, focusing on Worlds Collide. Um, please rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Any and all love is appreciated. And I will look over any criticism that I feel is not criticism just to hurt our feelings. Basically, um, you know, we do want to make this podcast better each and every episode. And we can't do that until I hear back from how we can be better. Um, don't forget to follow us 
um, on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Hyper Time to Podcast Twitter at Hyper Time Pod. Um, if you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to tweet at that, or you can email us at hypertime the number two podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at J M I L L E nine nine. Alan, where they can where can they follow you at? They can follow me on Twitter at E Alan Mears two L's. And with that, thank you for listening, and we will see you further down the hypertime. Take care. Bye.